0: What we do is we uh, we divide our interview. We do it about twenty-five to thirty minutes long, okay. and we divide it into like a 75-25 segment, where the seventy-five percent is just we're talking about the research, and the twenty-five percent we talk about the person. We had right, 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 right. right. Okay. Today we decided to kind of switch it. Yeah, because we feel you've talked enough about your research okay, over the last okay. couple of years so we'll still ask yeah, yeah, you about yeah. it yeah. but mostly we would like to get to know you yeah, and okay. get to know your, your opinions, your right, ideas right. and that's, that's mostly it. Okay. Okay. Hello and welcome to Simplified. My name is Gurjot. My name is Michael. And today we have Professor Stefan Hill. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor.
1: Hello, pleasure.
2: Now to start things off, in 30 seconds, what is Stead microscopy microscopy, and why is it cool?
1: It's cool because it's um, the microscope, the first microscope that overcame the famous diffraction resolution barrier in light microscopy, meaning that it managed to show that you can get much sharper pictures than people thought um, that would be possible with a light microscope.
0: At a much smaller scale, at
1: much smaller scale, yeah. at smaller details, you can see smaller details much sharper than before.
0: Could you tell us a little bit more about it? Like, how did you come about this entire idea?
1: Yeah, I was dragged into doing light microscopy um, against my will, you know, in a way. <laughs> um, and um, I did it. I did light microscopy as a PhD student in in a company that was specializing in. Um, Um, making uh, laser uh, scanning microscopes for computer chips. And um, I was asked to look into the uh, measurement of of tiny details on computer chips, so-called line-width measurements. And I felt this was totally boring and I felt this light microscopy, uh, even laser scanning microscopy is a kind of kind of uh, physics of the 19th century, very boring and so on. I thought that um, um, I have to do something more cool, uh, yeah. something more exciting. And uh, so I thought the only problem left um, that would be worthwhile solving was the overcoming of the diffraction barrier. That, that's mm-hmm. a cool problem.
2: How many years did it go from, where do you go from like...
1: Yeah, I started out thinking about it. So I became convinced at some point as a PhD student in second year or so that there must be a way to overcome this barrier um, in a light-focusing microscope because uh, um, this barrier was discovered at the end of the 19th century. And since then, of course, um, a lot of physics was invented and, and discovered. And I felt that there must be a kind of physical phenomenon, at least one, that would allow us in the end... Um, to overcome this diffraction barrier, given it's properly harnessed. So yeah. the idea was to find something that can be harnessed to overcome the diffraction barrier.
0: Mm-hmm. And you've done all of that research. You've given enough talks on it, and you also yeah. talked about it yesterday yeah. in, your <laughs> in your lecture. But currently, you're working in nanobiophotonics.
1: Well, that's a name I made up, so yeah. um, so um, so you don't <laughs> have to take that too seriously. Okay. These are um, if you are on. Um, um, uh, running a department in a Max Planck society, you can basically choose the name. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, you don't have to take that to say So what I'm doing is actually um, I'm um, developing with the people in my group uh, light microscope that have the sharpest resolution possible. Mm-hmm. Um, now we are down at the true molecular level so we can image or see molecules that are at molecular distances. So something, something that so was so far
0: was only possible with, like, electron microscopy.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we are now in that re- regime. and It is extremely exciting because um, uh, with with light microscopy, we have the uh, at least we have the chance of, of of doing it in living cells or under under mm-hmm. much gentler conditions than under electron microscopy conditions. And not only that, only specifically, also specifically. If you attach fluorescent molecule to proteins or so, yeah. then we can tell the proteins apart or so. Do
2: you well, think this would make electron microscopes no longer obsolete? No, Absolute. no, no.
1: Because uh, I mean, uh, each methodology has its strengths, and electron microscopy has, has um, um, uh, I mean, uh, has been developed further. Um, and there are many cool things, so to speak, that you can do with electron microscopy, including looking at structure of protein complexes and so on, which was not possible. 20 years back or 30 years back. Of course, um, um, rarely a methodology that is really profound becomes obsolete. But, but light microscopy in its modern form, so this nanoscopy, as I'm calling it, or the super-resolution microscopy, can do things that electron cannot do. So it complements, mm-hmm. complements um, uh, existing methodologies, thereby opening entire new fields of application, so like watching proteins at work watching proteins, stay take on their shape, like protein folding. Um, I think this, this kind of thing will be possible, or seeing uh, at a molecular scale how a certain drug yeah. influences a certain protein or so, and so far we have been only looking into outcomes and so on, but I think in the end um, uh, it will be possible to watch, watch molecular action at work mm-hmm. under, say, benign conditions for a cell. So I think it's it's very likely that this is going to happen.
0: So you moved from Romania to West Germany, and you talked about it. And what motivated you, I've kind of set this up for you. What motivated you to join science? And then once that you did join science, you said you were really interested in theoretical physics, but you moved to experimental physics for some reasons. Applied physics even, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Applied physics for for (laughs) some reasons. And what kept you motivated on a daily day-to-day basis? Because there were many roadblocks, you wouldn't get funding because you didn't have a lab. And yeah. you said some very nice things yesterday, mm-hmm. like advancements for mankind can be delayed, not stopped, and That's self-awareness right. is important. Yeah. that sounds really cool in a lecture. Yeah. But how did you deal with personally in your mindset?
1: Right, right. I mean, um, sure, sure. I mean, if you have a vision, of course, vision so to speak. I had this vision that that uh, one will be able to image molecular scales with with a regular light microscope or, or regular mic- microscopy conditions, um, then you have, very good, you have to have very good reasons why I think this is the case. And so one of the mottos I've always said is uh, aim high, stay grounded. Meaning that you have to have, a, as a scientist, um, a, a very, very high or important goal that really means something, mm-hmm. but at the same time you have to, to stay grounded. Um, why? Um, because one uh, shouldn't become a kind of vic- victim of one's illusions or something. So I was convinced that the dream of getting down to the molecular scale is not is not just a pipe dream. Or so it's 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 serious. Yeah. So the physical reasons. The conceptual reasons were it very strong. It made sense to you. It makes it made absolute sense. Mm-hmm. So I knew, of course, there are obstacles, but they are only technical. So, so if you have a certain vision in science, it's very important. And people say, okay, you want to achieve that. It's very important to distinguish the conceptual, uh, p- well, potential conceptual problems, from technical problems, because the conceptual problem is going to stay.
2: Yeah.
1: And the technical problems will be overcome, uh, just over time, because the technology continues, and then. There will be better lasers and better microphones and better, I don't know <laughs> what, what you may need in order to get to your goal. And so it's very important that um, to realize that if there is no conceptual problem, if the concept is sound, then it'll come. Because technology, kind of the, te- the technological pro- progress that, that takes place in parallel, so to speak, actually helps you um, uh, get into your goal.
2: So you mean like at that time it may seem impossible? Yeah. People said
1: to me, for example, you won't get there. Why? Because, because you won't have the lasers that do that. Mm-hmm. Or, or the, lasers will be too, um, the light will be too strong. Or um, the, the fluorescent molecules you use will be bleached, and so on. But, for, um, and, 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 but I found this concept of keeping something dark and having only a subset of molecules bright, So this with the underlying idea of STAT. So you have many of them, so to speak, many of the molecules in the focal region, yeah. but shut some of them off to, to have only a subset of them emitting. Yeah. This is so powerful. Once you have understood it, then you know this is, this is so powerful <laughs> that, that there will be one way um, to, 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 to make it happen. And The problem is like the one I mentioned, there may be too, too much light or the lasers may not fit or lasers are too expensive and, and, and the molecules. Uh, were bleach and so are mainly technical because chemistry can design better and better molecules and this, this was clear. Laser dev- development is going on. I don't have to do anything for that. So it just <laughs> happens because there's fantastic groups, including here at ETH, yeah. developing lasers, and um, and so um, so th- that helped me um, or better detectors and, and I don't know, and so this, this all um, I mean contributed actually to the to the final breakthrough. But without the concept, the basic idea, the breakthrough would not have happened. So, so this overcoming of diffraction barrier, it's also important to understand, is not a result of uh, technological advancement. It was not an engineering task. Mm-hmm. There is a fundamental idea behind it. And the idea was, don't separate features just by focusing the light sharper, but separate it by playing on and off with the molecules.
2: How come nobody else was just convinced of this concept?
1: Um, well, uh, no one thought about it. People, people thought that, okay, this diffraction barrier was, was um, found in 1873. There are good reasons for it. It was taught in, um, in school, um, I mean, in university lectures. I mean, you learn about it. And not only that, um, um, there was a very nice theory, which was actually um, put forth by Abe in, in those days. Um, which was about decomposing the object into waves, and then um, perceiving the objective lens as a means that, 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 um, that passes the waves yeah. as, a, as a system. This is a system theory approach, and then there is a finite pass band. And then if you want to reassemble the, the frequencies in the image plane, you have only a finite number of fi- a finite range of frequencies left. And so this is a very compelling idea. But the problem with it, and this is also something, a lesson to be learned, compelling ideas can be so compelling that, that you forget about their limitations. Um, and and, and the, the problem with this theory is that it's not to the point, because in the end, the light microscope just needs to separate features that are very close. But once you decompose things into waves, you're kind of detached from the actual problem. You see, mm-hmm. you, you, have a, you have a theory that is nice per se, but at the end of the day it's not to the point. And then this, this, this compelling theory misleads you into believing that you have understood the problem in the perfect way. Um, and then you say, okay, we have understood it extremely well because we have this AB theory in this case. And then it's clear and perfectly understood that it's never going to happen that somebody will get, get, uh, get a sharper image. Yeah. And so, so, a lesson to be learned, if a natural scientist or, or an engineer perhaps, um, nice theories can be utterly misleading. And, and, and so there's a lot maybe to be discovered if one goes one step backwards and asks, is this really, is the theory, although it's very nice, really to the point? Or does the theory make a simplification or generalization that is maybe not justified?
0: I would like to join that to the scientific method. And so you've been doing science for three decades now, and you also said yesterday that fundamental breakthroughs generally tend to be really simple. And so, which is Occam's razor. If there's a simpler theory, you should science, the scientific method tells us to go with it. What what do you think about the scientific method today? And is there anything you would like to change the way science is done today?
1: So when I was a student, I had the impression, I'm just talking off the cuff now, yeah. it's podcast, that physics would advance much more rapidly if people were not so vain. Vain. <laughs> vain. <laughs> <laughs> or a, I, my impression was there's a lot of formalism in physics that is unnecessary and, and it's, it, has this, it fulfills this role, I mean, I'm exaggerating, I know that I'm exaggerating, of of breaking with the formalism um, what i'm saying is basically sometimes a very simple idea a very simple concept a profound concept is is kind is kind of put into a very complicated formalism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to to gen- generate impression as though this was i don't know kind of magic or yeah. or an attempt to impress the <laughs> colleague with all of the, the derivations but um, but in the reality if key ideas, in, in my, this is my view at least, I'm not sure if I'm right, but I, that's why I think key ideas are usually so simple that you can formulate them in, in very simple terms. And if something is, is, uh, is kind of kind of formulated very, very, in a very convoluted way and, and wrapped by all kinds of um, formalisms and equations and so on, it tells me that either the person who wrote that piece didn't understand it or want to mask it and so my impression was it's done just out of the, the, because people out have some desire to no, vanity, to, so, so, I, so when I was a student I said okay, so when I grew up and, I'm, 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 and, and in the case I should be very lucky to, to become a professor, I would rewrite some textbooks yes. and always point people to the real okay. essence yes. and, and um, of course you need mathematics and formalism to, to sometimes, uh, or in many, many cases too. But that's usually the case if you have more complex things. You know, okay. But, but the, the basic principles, you cannot really derive them. Or so this, this, was my, this was my view. Yes. And so I think it's very important for physics teachers to, to always get the students to the point and say, this is the point here in the story, this is the real phenomenon. Yes.
2: If you were to teach yourself in the past yeah. this kind of mindset and methodology, how would you approach it to really teach yourself to think outside the box and to think in terms of basic principles?
1: Yeah I think you have to have this mindset because um, uh, it is very deceptive to um, to say okay um, I can derive things and it comes out okay as a result of the derivation. So I would never accept this as an argument. So, if so I mean you talk to your fellow students and so on and then so did you understand that so the phenomenon yeah. and so oh yeah yeah you can you can you can Put up the, the mathematics and you calculate it and in the end, it comes out, and then, oh, okay, now I've understood it because I've done the mathematics like this, and it comes out. This is, I never accepted that because um, um, I thought, okay, there must be a, a fundamental thought behind it. And the reason why it comes out like this is because there's a fundamental phenomenon that, that leads to that. And, and if, if I were to take out that phenomenon, it wouldn't be like that. And so, so finding, finding the key. Of finding the essential element behind something, um, I think is critically important to make advancements. Mm-hmm. Of course, you need to have the, um, the, uh, the the formalism, and and you have to have the skills to deal with the formalism, because in some cases you you this this kind of simplifi- simplified view comes much later. Yeah. So it's not that it comes instantly. So the also I first discovered stat, of course, as a, as a way. And of course, I realized it's about keeping dark, but the full the full power of this say, keeping dark on-off thing came to me a few weeks later, not in the very first moment, but the very first moment I said, okay, I have one way to stimulate the mission, I was preoccupied, does it work, does it not work, can, it, can I, can I um, get it done, you, and that, that's logical because you have, to, you have to be concrete at some point. You cannot just say, yeah. okay, um, it could work, like. you have to be concrete. But then, after I thought about it, okay, what, what are the elements that are really critical? Is the stimulated emission per se critical in the idea? For no, because is I can use another mechanism to make this on-off thing happen. So I can replace it with another mechanism. Wrote another paper um, with another type of mechanism for making on-off, and it was rejected, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, so because I couldn't they didn't understand me. I was kind of ahead of my time. People simply didn't get it, and so um, to tell you the truth, um, this the second paper um, I sent to a journal, not high-ranking journal, but decent journal, and um, and the editor um, was suspicious about it. He never heard of me, and I was in Finland, the place. That, and then the editor decided to send it to three competitors who did this near-field optical thing. So this this was this scanning yep. tip thing. And, and, um, and then I, um, after eight or nine weeks, I called up the editor because I didn't get any response and he said, yeah. Um, he admitted I th- that he sent it to the, the three uh, near field optical people who felt competed by the idea <laughs> that you can, obviously, that you can do it with, uh, with a lens because it was, the paper was your theoretical paper. It was basically saying you are on the wrong track with your tip and you try hard and you, and you have difficulties. It's easier to do it just with the lens and in the end you get 10 nanometers or so. Yeah. And, and of course I didn't like it. And, and of course no one <laughs> gave positive replies so they didn't respond. No one responded to say, yeah it's just theory but no proof. And then the editor said no, uh, I'm not going to publish it. And then he realized that I was a kind of freelance postdoc yeah. and he said, oh, you should, um, uh, you should first do it experimentally and prove that this idea works. So he had, he had serious doubts yeah. that this would work. And, um, um, and then he said, you should go back to your serious advisor that he should apply money for you because I, wasn't a, I, I, I had no lab. So, so somebody should apply that you get money for your lab in order to get it done. And then, so I was, it was a nightmare. So you, you see how how that sometimes the community doesn't allow or has difficulties of, of allowing outsiders with with an idea that is unusual to um, uh, to uh, to be pursued.
2: How, how do you overcome this? How should yeah? You?
1: Very tough. I mean, I was. I gave talks over and over and over and made a suggestion and, and made re- uh, presented the arguments. Eventually there was one person in Germany who said he may be right. And so let's give him, give him the, the, the chance of, of, of doing it. And this is how I got to Göttingen um, at the Max Planck Institute. Um, they said okay, we give him a position for five years to, 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 to prove himself um, and prove that this is true. And, and, um, so, so, in that sense, I was lucky. But if I had not convinced that person, I would have dropped out of science. And the, the, I tell you the irony: this thing that I propose this mechanism is right now the most widely used mechanism for on-off in, in the whole evolution field. Um, it's, it's, it's totally crazy. Um, so I propose a slightly different way as it is used, but this mechanism is used to bump things along the dark state. That's what it was saying. And. Um, and to tell the story to the end it's kind of interesting. Um, later when I was established and kind of famous already, um, I told um, uh, the story to, um, to the editor, um, the editor who was in charge then, 10 yeah. years later. And then I said, okay, there was. Um, I know, I remember that I had this paper and, uh, uh, and the editor at that time rejected it in your journal. Oh. So oh, I find that out. I, I know that former editor in the 90s and I call him up and let's see if he still has the manuscript in the fight. And, um, <laughs> and it was really funny. Then he called him up and he said, no, no way. I don't know of this paper. I don't know this person. <laughs> he said, nothing to do with us. And he, he claimed that. He had nothing to do with us. And, um, and I said, I'm very sure that I sent it to you. I remember the phone conversation where he said, that, no, 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 you must be wrong. It wasn't me. It's impossible. I mean, if you're, yeah. say, 31, 32 or so, and you're desperate, you, you never, you will never forget such a conversation, and never forget that that editor reject your, your paper. I mean, it's impossible. And then I said, okay, now I'm going to go through my old files. I may find some files <laughs> from Finland. <laughs> and I, I found the letter, the rejection letter.
2: Oh, okay. nice. Uh, where, yeah, I found the rejection letter
1: with his signature. And then I made a copy, of course, um, with the iPhone and so, whatever, and. Um, and sent the letter, and then he, he, I didn 't get a reply, <laughs> but the new editor of course, found the details, yeah. and then they, they wrote a, a little little uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, editorial saying, in '94 we had that paper, or yeah. we rejected it, <laughs> and we shouldn't more or less. <laughs> and so you see, I mean things come out in the end, uh, but, yeah. but, but this is how it is. I mean so community can be very reluctant.
0: Now uh, you, you talked about if there's sim- the basic idea is very simple. It's just kind of put in this formalism that makes it sound very complex. Now, do you think if science was presented in that way, where simple ideas were talked about, it would change the public perception of science? Because right it now may. You can
1: see it may, yeah, movements. it may, I mean, because it can easily, more easily conveyed. So, so I made it, um, the experience right now. Uh, I have to, sometimes I have to have to give popular lecture, um, and, and then then I can see that even people who are not highly educated in science, they say I got it. Of course they don't get all the details yeah. and, and, and of course they wouldn't be able to, to, to do it in, in, in that sense, but they get, they get the gist of it. Yes. And, and, and then, and then uh, science doesn't look like a black box um, and so it, it looks accessible and, and in, um, uh, by the same token the people look more accessible. And this is why I'm, I'm mingling oftentimes when I'm giving talks personal life with with the signs, you know, so that people see these are normal people. These yeah. are not not I don't know, um, so they they have to live a life like anyone yeah. else and uh, and, um, and and do normal stuff and, and, and the ideas behind it are such that one can get access to. Um yeah. so this is why I'm doing it.
0: So in the context of your field of expertise, is there anything you feel is probably true, we just don't know have the right formalism for it.
1: I didn't get a question. So, so, so in,
0: in your field of say optical microscopy yeah. or nanobiophotonics, yeah. is there something that you have an intuition that this is possibly true, but there's like you just you know, don't have the maths for it yet? Yeah.
1: Um, no, right now, um, That you mean that no mathematics needed? Or no um, proof? Uh, or proof. Um, right now, the answer, the frank answer is no. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that um, for, for very concrete projects, of course, formalism is required and mathematics is required, so I don't want to play that down. Yeah. Um, uh, whenever it comes to concrete predictions, um, say under these conditions, this power, these this wavelengths and, and whatever, you need, of course, sound calculations and statistical predictions, there's no doubt about that. But, um, but what I'm saying is, um, right now, the obstacles are not so much in the mathematics, um, there are in the um, the details of of um, of the methodology.
2: Mm-hmm. What content do you consume regularly? So in your day to day life, do you go on on YouTube and watch silly videos, or do uh, you? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have to
0: give lots of lectures. I mean, we looked at your schedule today. You have meetings. So yeah, yeah but
1: this is kind of the exception because this is poly, poly lecture yeah. series. So, but most of the time, actually, I'm not traveling, giving lectures. So, um, so you may think that that's what Nobel laureates do, and, yeah. and and in most cases, it's true. But since I have, I have a they say functioning lab, and 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 I'm say, um in the middle of, of science developments, which I feel are important that, that I enjoy. Um, um, I, I don't um, travel that much, as, as you may think, and. So, I mean, I'm very proud of the fact that so the Nobel was in 2014 and was given for, literally, for two methods that overcame the diffraction barrier like STED and these others in and the molecule-based um, methods that are fundamentally related, but, but slightly different. So, um, I deliberately decided not to give the big lecture tour. I went to, to a couple of lectures, which I felt I should do. Uh, But went back in order to to um, get the science going, and since then we've published, I would say, at least two breakthrough papers that that um, that really advanced the field tremendously. So so pushed the resolution again by a factor of ten. Yes. So and and so we are now down to the molecular (laughs) scale, and I'm uh, very proud that this came out of of my lab and not from any other place. And well, I'm proud. What I feel very pleased about, I have started the field, in a way, with with this idea of STED and the rest of it, and made a number of contributions, key contributions to, to, to its development. And all was also kind of the first that really got to the to the bottom line, which was the molecular scale resolution. Yes. So your aim is and just to so, keep
2: continuing and improving Yeah, this. And,
1: and so we made a big, big step, I mean, to get to the bottom line. To, because I always said, right from the beginning, in the end, we will be able to image. With, at molecular distances, mm-hmm. it's yes. crazy. I Imagine that twenty years back, as it was, was still the, refraction uh, the the, the, the refraction barrier of two hundred nanometers. Yeah. Now the guys claim one or two. I mean, this is this this sounds insane. Yeah. And so I said, listen, guys, this concept is so sound, there will be ways of getting it done, and in the end, we will image at molecular scale, and now we do.
2: How do you keep your knowledge up to date? Do you read magazines? Do you
1: um, yeah, um, uh, if you talk about private life, of course I'm 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 screening for for I'm 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 reading online I'm um, newspapers mm-hmm. key newspapers um, in, in 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 the world so that that's, that's the convenient thing so you can sit anywhere in the world and 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 read um, major say um, uh, newspapers in. German, in English uh, yeah. and so on. I think this is very, um, uh, very, uh, very handy because you don't stay in your own bubble. Um, yeah. And um, um, that's one thing. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out all kind of channels. I'm not so much in in social media um, yeah. because um, um, I'm public enough in that sense. And I don't want to <laughs> um, um, do Twitter and this type of stuff. And um, Yeah. And and the rest of the science, I mean, of course, uh, you you can read online a lot. And of course, there are other people coming to me telling me, okay, Mm -hmm. we've seen that paper, we've seen that paper. And so there's a lot of filtering going on by talking to people.
2: Okay, We won't take any more time. Thank you very much. Thank you so
0: much for joining us, Professor. Okay, Pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you liked it, we'd really appreciate it if you shared it and gave us your feedback. We publish a new episode every week. For more details,
2: visit our website simplified.xyz